you have the opportunity to try new things with a get out of jail free card. And that's really true. Like we spent a couple months where we only saw cats at our practice and it was fine. And the clients still love us. And I love that time. So yeah, it's stress, but it's the kind of stress that makes you grow for a better place. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Whisker Talks, the Whisker Cloud marketing podcast. I'm Adam Greenbaum, CEO and founder of Whisker Cloud. Today, I have the inspiration, some of the inspiration that pushed me towards starting this podcast because I was on their podcast and I just had way too much fun. We have Dr. Tracy Sands. We have Alec Failer, Carlisle Veterinary, and of course, VetMed After Hours. How are you both? In the house. Yeah, fantastic. How are you doing? I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can fix that. You matter. You matter. You matter. How are things at Healing Paws Veterinary Care? I think like many clinics in the country, in the world, stressed. That's just a normal response. And I think it's important that we acknowledge that. I just saw Alec take a ginormous breath. Yeah. But stressed with a gratitude for response to that stress. That's one of the things that is really a part of our clinic culture and that I love about my team is that they embrace change. And boy, if you if you like change, this is your year, but they just are willing to go 110% every time we give them a new way to handle something because we just, we don't like status quo. So we want to do it better And for me, I really have taken 2020 as an opportunity to go, this is a chance to change veterinary medicine the way we, quote, always did it. There's just no excuse not to anymore. And it's a really nice time. Uh, My friend Saya just said to me recently something about, it's like you have the opportunity to try new things with a get out of jail free card. And that's really true. Like we spent a couple months where we only saw cats at our practice and it was fine. And the clients still love us. And I love that time. So yeah. yeah, it's stressed, but it's the kind of stress that makes you grow for a better place. Wow. You just gave us our podcast intro. That was easy. Elbows. <laughs> You've a few podcasts. Just a few. So let's talk about this. Well, let's let's take a step back. Let's introduce you both. I know you guys know I love the Hulk. This isn't a shock to anyone. I was let's- really worried that was going to come out. <laughs> You know, I don't think anyone on earth has ever had a conversation with me where it hasn't come up. <laughs> but I want to talk about your your veterinary origin story. So let's talk about the time that you were Dr. Bruce Banner and you're testing the A-bomb. And then a young man named Rick Jones ran out into the desert and you ran to stop him. But the bomb hit and gamma radiation turns you into the Hulk. How did both of you get into vet med? Before you start, I have to say, I was literally going, who is this Dr. Banner or doctor? Like, does no. he not remember my name? What veterinarian is he talking no. about? <laughs> oh my, no. I am honestly, that Alec, I I mean, I, I wish you, uh, I don't even, I good. I want the, I want everyone listening to hear the pain in my voice. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to try to get through the rest of this podcast after that. I embarrass myself at will. It is okay. I'm physically hurting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's hear your your dumb story story. now that my mood's ruined. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Oh, my. Well, for me, I stumbled upon it 
while in college, uh, I was looking for, I was had a serving job that was really, really far away from me and I needed something close. And a veterinary hospital, 24 hour veterinary hospital down the street was open and I went in and applied and then got the interview and instantly fell in love with the people that work there and the clients that came in. And I was lucky to have an amazing overnight doctor that showed me the ropes. And we had an amazing client coordinator who showed me that you can have fun doing this while working incredibly hard. And it's been the epitome of vet med for me since then, you know, just bringing your best to every day and just learning and growing in every situation. And I think in every situation I've been in since then, there's been someone there that's so interested in wanting to help you grow and be all that you can be in, in, in your situation. It's, it's incredible. I think it's important to mention that Alex spent several years working by himself in a bedroom in my basement as the, <laughs> we had a mobile house call practice and he was kind of the jack of all trades from the office manager standpoint. So he literally has, has probably seen every different scenario. Yeah. I mean, I did the corporate aspect of it with the 24 hour animal hospital, the overnights teching and being reception at the same time with a 12 full rooms of emergencies at the same time while teching and client care and then private practice from there and then working in with a mobile a mobile service that transitioned into a practice a little bit of everything and it's i mean it's i wouldn't change a thing about what i've done or been through to be at this point next time you're uh, telling that story can we not start with so alec had a lot of time working in my basement <laughs> i wasn't sure where that was heading I was... basement bedroom and i was like <laughs> Yeah. And I swear on whisker talk is the next question because I was ready. This is a this is a safe space. You can say anything you want. I've got great editors, so don't not yeah. it's funny because I it's not funny, but I tell people that now. Like, yeah, well, I used to work in her basement. Like that's just where that's where we started. Like it's it's been we you know we've been doing it since then. Like, yeah. you know, and you were doing it a lot lot longer before yeah, I started old. with you. Well, a couple <laughs> years at least before I started <laughs> before I started, um, you were doing that. So literally from from the trenches for sure. So my story is a little bit different and sorry for boring listeners who have heard it a thousand times. But I grew up uh, with agriculture and decided I didn't want to be a vet. I wanted to work in the animal field, not as a vet, but I was still pre-vet in college. And I also ended up at a 24-hour corporate, which there is a lot to be said about learning a lot of really cool medical things when you like to learn. And I got inspired by, actually at that time, by house call services that they offered. It really boils down to the people that matter. And I really, in those house call experiences, got to see that bond between the, the owners and their pets more so. Got really interested in that and really determined. So fast forward, I then went to vet school and was going to do all dairy cattle, which I did love. That's really hard on the body. And for me... A couple, of reasons, a couple of things got me out of that. I was in a mixed animal practice and they didn't think that they would need small animal appointments during the day. But a month after I landed in the small animal clinic, there were appointments all day that needed seen. So I got thrown into that fire, which is a good way for me to learn. Uh, but then realized that there's just so many more nuances for me in small animal medicine than there was with dairy cattle and large animals. So just a few years after that, I ended up going all small. 
worked at several practices and decided that it was time to create a practice where the team members mattered and where I could really have a hand in crafting what their days look like and what the client interactions look like. And the only way for me to afford that was to do house calls, which I already knew made a big difference for a lot of people. And so I did that until I could build up the clientele and then decided let's go for building a clinic, which was probably one of the most fun things I've ever done was the design process there. And that's our story. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wanted to say too, like if we're talking about true Hulk, like becoming the Hulk moment for me was definitely meeting this lovely lady right here oh, thank you. and just seeing her vision. And I always had an idea of how I thought veterinary medicine should be run. And it didn't really come to the forefront for me until I had an interview, I mean, multiple interviews with her and it, it exploded from me from there, like growth mindset jumped in for me and being okay with failure because you're taught for so long that it's not okay. And you're, you know, shunned for making any mistakes at all, let alone learning and growing from those mistakes. And your voice matters and your thoughts and your opinions and your history and all of your knowledge that you've had, good or bad, that you've experienced in veterinary medicine matter. And that's definitely was the main, you know, if we're doing halt moments, it was having that conversation, realizing, wow, I have something that I can give to people and teach and help clients and staff and other people in the field for sure okay now for my hard-hitting questions just kidding so let's (laughs) see here you guys obviously have this really tight bond but you have this hospital full of people is there ever any jealousy about hey why why is it you two on the podcast why are you two so close what about the rest of us is there ever any of that so honestly i think i mean trying not to brag here, but we do a really good job. And we've been, I mean, again, we've been doing it for, we instantly had, you know, the connection of work-life balance more or less. And I mean, we've worked on it all of the time. I mean, when you work in somebody's basement, you kind of, you know, you kind of have to, I didn't, I didn't live there, but I worked there. You know, you spend a lot of your time there. Hey man, we're not judging. But there is no situation where if I don't, you know, if I make a mistake or something happens where she, it goes back and forth. We do that with each other. Like we'll call each other out. We're very honest in our communication in and out of work. And we're very good about each other's boundaries with that. So I personally, I don't believe so. I, I haven't seen it or experienced it or heard it or any of that. Everything we've done together, we've earned together through each other's, you know, respect and just everything we do. Yeah. I think uh, kudos to you. That's the first time anybody has ever asked us yeah, that question. That's a great question. I learned what, you know, when you, there are those pearls that you learn in life that always stick in your mind. And I worked with a practice manager who also, and I, I'm proud of Alec that he's gotten to where he is without a degree as a technician or yet he's working on a CBPM, yeah. but she was the same and she was just phenomenal. Shout out to Amanda in Lebanon. But Amanda said to me as a young vet right away, she said, you cannot be friends with your employees. And well, you know, what do you mean by that? Because you were with them all the time. And she really explained that like, there's a boundary. You can be friendly with them. You can have interactions with them and you can have a good time, but you aren't going to share with them your deepest, darkest secrets, your gossip, which we don't do anyway. And you aren't going to go to the bar and hang out with them and talk about all of those things. 
And that's a really hard lesson to learn because I have gotten, especially mm -hmm. doing mobile, you know, you ride in the car with one person all day. I've gotten really tight with employees and I've, I've had to reteach myself that. But Alec and I came into this knowing that. Yeah. And I think what he said is 100% right. It's really important to treat everyone equally on your team. Everyone equally everywhere, but let's you know, focus on your team. And that just what he said, there are times when I have to call him out on things. And I also need to make sure that there are times I call him out on things in front of other employees uh, so that there isn't a, well, you know, they know that Alec didn't order that ear medicine. Hey, I need to point that out to him in a kind manner, just like I would to them. But if you fairly reward and discipline in a kind manner, everybody equally, that takes away a jealousy. Yeah. And I, I'm another big part of it. I mean, we kind of, I mean, the podcast has kind of been around a lot longer than most of yes, the employees true. at this point. Yeah, so they kind of just come into it at this. A lot of the people we've hired now came into it and we've, we've had it since almost since the beginning. So that helps too. Mm -hmm. And they're really good about like, we'll talk about situations we have at work and yep. that's the culture that we've built because we don't hide anything ever. We're very open about things. And this is a third space for us. They know that. So we don't do it during work hours and we don't talk about it during work hours. So that yep. helps too. I am with you guys on the boundaries. It's hard. Even here at Whisker Cloud, I feel like everyone knows Lauren. Lauren's been here since the beginning. I know her and her husband extremely well. And it's tough. She probably does know a crazy amount of stuff about me. We're even doing this thing right now at Whisker Cloud where every week, someone from one team has to spend 30 minutes getting to know someone from another team. And it's our way of sort of building up. Because as we've grown, we've got a lot of people on a lot of teams. And you know, I was talking to our marketing operations manager yesterday and we were asking her question, you know, I'm asking her, she's asking me and we were talking about TV shows and I'm such an open book mm -hmm. that if I'm in like a laid back conversation where we're on the phone, remote, not in a work setting and she's like, well, what TV shows are you and your wife watching? And, and without thinking, I said, well, you know, we're watching Dexter right now and I love it. And I said, what's really weird about it is I'm not like a murderer, but I watch Dexter and I really relate to this guy a lot. And then I'm thinking like, shit, did I just tell my employee I could be a serial killer? And it's like, it's tough to sort of create those boundaries where, especially if you're like me and you kind of just say what's on your mind, I'm with you guys. But I always wondered that too, because I feel like here, it's weird to say this, I do have my favorites. I do have the people that sort of I can a thousand percent depend on through anything. I don't ever know like in a vet hospital because I, I mean, I've been in vet hospitals. And I know enough people in vet med where there's gossip and there's this and I'm in all the Facebook groups and I see all that stuff. And it's like, is there favorites? Is there something? And then you guys, obviously, with everything you're doing at the hospital, him being trapped, I mean, working in your basement for however <laughs> long, and then the podcast, it's a lot of working together. And I was just curious, like, do other people feel that? But it's good to hear that they don't. I mean, like she said earlier, we we really, really work hard to make it as such, you know, to treat everybody the same, everybody, literally everybody in the hospital gets the same treatment regardless of role. And that's just how it's been. It's the culture that's been built in this hospital since day one. It's a really important skill. We can focus on the veterinary industry, 
it's a really important skill as a veterinarian not to develop favorites and to acknowledge if you are. So it is incredibly easy to go to the technician who's been there the longest, knows where everything is in the clinic, knows how to do that. She's always done it that way. But that's no way to allow your other team members to grow and expand. And it doesn't make them feel good about themselves. It doesn't make them motivated to do more. It doesn't give loyalty and low staff turnover. What it does is it gets you things great from your technician, Alice, until Alice breaks her ankle, tweaks her back, gets COVID. And then you've got nobody else that can step in and do those shoes. And you have animosity. Why would they bother to learn? Because you haven't relied on them. Tyler, who does our graphics for our media, talks about putting your ego away. And it needs to be your ego about how fast can I get this done with another person? It needs to be your ego about, I feel really awesome every time I get a cystocentesis. Well, two out of those three times you have an opportunity to do a cystocentesis, give that opportunity to the person with you so that they can become equally as talented. And the more you build that talent, the stronger your team is, the easier you build your practice and get home at the end of the day. Yeah, I love that. And I think those are the types of things that just other veterinary owners and practice managers need to hear that type of stuff. I mean, that's really what I want people to do when they listen to this podcast is have something where it's like, yeah, that was kind of even that small tidbit of what you just said. It's really important to think through those things and and implement it in their own hospitals, which just isn't easy. I mean, I follow all these Facebook groups and and I pretty much say this on every episode. And it's like, okay, it's the same stuff. Everyone's posting the same stuff all the time. And like during COVID stuff, it's, and you know, I have people come on the podcast and it's, and we kind of have the same conversations about where it's like, yeah, you know, we really need to stop talking about this and we really need to start doing it. But it's, it's just nice you know, like you guys are actually practicing what you preach, not saying others aren't, but it's a lot of work. I mean, even, even not in a vet hospital, a company like Whisker Cloud, as we grow, we just added a new person. We're adding five more, hopefully before end of year. And it's like, congratulations. Yeah. Well, well, is it congratulations? It's a lot of work. I'm tired. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. No, it's been, it's been really great. It's been really exciting. Hoping to get all these people started probably the day after the holiday party to keep costs down. I'm just kidding. But um, I think we need to have a talk. Yeah. <laughs> I will watch one Hulk movie if we can talk about some of these things. <laughs> Make it two. And all I get to pick right, right. <laughs> So you guys do all this stuff in the hospital and then you start Vet Med After Hours, which is just this amazing podcast that I would say probably peaked at episode 16. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you scratching your head. That was featuring a youngish man who just had this dream of modernizing veterinary medicine through websites and SEO and design. And oh, I was just so inspired. Amazing. But, oh man, thank you. Thank you. But let's talk about the podcast because I started a podcast. You guys started a podcast and I'm hoping this kind of gives you inspiration for your answer. Like why did we start a Whisker Cloud podcast? And to be honest, the Whisker Cloud podcast is here And and this is like a very honest thing. It's here for three reasons. One, it's here as a marketing tool. And that's what this is. And when I say marketing tool, anyone who listens to this, I'm not selling Whisker Cloud 24-7, but this is to help us build this brand and kind of say like, hey, we don't make money off of this podcast, but we want to showcase our business and we want to showcase our business by really showcasing the people we work with. Because if we work with amazing people, I think that's inspiration for other people to say, 
Well, Tracy and Alec are doing really well, or Cody Krillman works with Whisker Cloud. He's amazing. These are people I want to work with. And really the second reason I did this is because we write a lot of blogs, we send a lot of emails, we do a lot of that stuff, but there's really not a way for me to speak directly to every single client. And here we are with thousands of subscribers in two months. And to be honest, I sit here and I'm like, this is my chance to have these conversations and kind of speak my mind, not in a bad way, but I'm hoping that the people that work with Whisker Cloud can listen to it and say like, oh, okay, I need to take something away from this. Or this is kind of some insights about the team at Whisker Cloud. So for us, it's more of like a community building thing. But you guys have, I mean, A, I love the mission behind what you're doing behind, you know, like Vet You Matter, which I want to talk about. But what was like day one where you just said, hey, I want to be a podcaster. I want to start a podcast. What led to the day one? I'll speak on the beginning because I really want Dr. Sands to hit on all of the other amazing things and reasons why we do this. But the beginning was we were inspired by a, you went to a talk about podcasts. Yeah, it was we a class. A class <laughs> about podcasts and inspired by that. And I personally was very much always interested in doing a podcast. I always thought it would be a sports related podcast because I'm very, I, I enjoy talking about sports, but it turned into an amazing third brain space thing for me. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that everyone enjoys our conversations as well. And we love that. Like, I love this, this, I look forward to being on and having those conversations and getting to express the way that we feel things should be or how they need to be or how things need to change. It's, it's an amazing third space for me for that. So it was really important. The class really made you work like you should in all businesses on finding your why and your audience, your niche. So we really, you know, getting back to marketing, which is, is a focus of this. That was at the beginning, like part of the class was what could you do? You know, Alec could go and talk about the Hulk or basketball or whatever, mm-hmm. but we wanted to figure out what we could do together. And for us, we really saw the need for something united, no matter what you did in the veterinary profession. So there are plenty of things out there for veterinarians specifically. There's some things out there for technicians. For all I, my awareness, there's nothing out there for client care team. And then there are the people like the Adams from Whisker Cloud and the Brandon Brashears and the people who do a ton in veterinary medicine, but don't work in a clinic. So we wanted to have an opportunity to share stories no matter what your role was, because for us, every voice has value. Yep. And so how can we share those stories? And then we said, okay, well, we don't want to do anything like anybody else. We didn't want just one type of podcast. So we, we expanded and we do the ones where we just talk about things that are going on in our lives. We do ones where we let our listeners write their story and their blog if they don't feel comfortable talking on the podcast. And then we read that. And then we do ones like what you do right now with the interviewing. And we've just, our goal is to touch as many lives in the veterinary profession as possible, no matter what their role is. And then that really developed into us. We felt like suicide needed something done. Veterinary suicide needed something done. You know, everybody was talking about it. It was a horrible thing, but it felt like we just didn't feel good enough just talking about how sad it was. We needed to come up with a plan. So that launched into our vet you matter and, and normalizing mental health. But we did things like stickers for the drug safes to give people uh, a chance, you know, one last chance. But then we said, why are we waiting for the last chance? Let's use our platform to give people the resources, the tools, 
and the understanding that you're going to need help before then. So what can we do to help you? So started out as giving everybody a chance to, to enjoy and listen and have their story told, but now it's really just morphed into let's listen to those stories so that you have support, you know, you're not alone mm-hmm. and you can ask for help before it's too late. We know what's cool about this too. It's like, you know, obviously our team built the site and we work on it often for you guys. And it's, you know, the Vet You Matter campaign. And you it's guys, it's amazing. Oh, it's, I mean, it's an amazing site. It's better than what we have for our podcast. We just have a little page on the Whisker Cloud site. You guys have a, I love your colors. Thank you. You guys say clinic cultures have to change in order for the suicide rate to change. We must make conversations about mental health normal and we must make it okay to ask for help. It's so funny. I mean, I just had Debbie Boone on her and I were talking about this. Jessica Vogelsang talked about it. Danielle and I talk about it. Shout out to Danielle Lambert, or all I have to say is Danielle and everyone in vet med knows who I'm talking about. But you know, it's one of those things where (sighs) there's a lot of talk about it. There's a lot of talk about it in this industry. And here I am. I've never, I mean, previous to Whisker Cloud, I worked in some pet businesses and I did some nonprofit stuff with some veterinary hospitals and I ran a dog rescue where we partnered with some vet hospitals, but I'm new to vet med and I look at this and I say, yeah, there's a problem. There's a lot of talk about it, but there's not a lot of, I mean, there is a lot of action, but I mean, I've been in this industry now for six years and for six years, do you guys feel in the last five or six years, there's been meaningful change and I'm sure COVID throws a massive wrench in this, but what are we really doing six years later? And, and I mean, at, at Whisker Cloud too, it's like, we're working on stuff. We just implemented some new automation software internally and we're like, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And I'm always like, let's do it. What, why are we saying we're going to do it? Let's do it. Oh, we're going to build this workflow. Build it. Let's go. Let's have it done by end of day. How long would it take? Well, after we conceptualize, it takes two hours. Cool. Conceptualize. And then in three hours, let's chat and let's see how it works. And that's how we kind of do things here. But not every clinic is like your clinic. I mean, I, I can tell you that we work with clinics around the world. A lot of people, let's call it what it is. A lot of people probably don't really give a shit how their employees are feeling day to day. It's more like, Hey, COVID sucks. You're going through it. I'm going through it. Let's just figure this out. We have a business to run, but you guys do a great job of not looking at it that way. And we don't look at it that way at Whisker Cloud as well. As I've told you guys, you had complimented a question earlier and I'll say the same thing to you that I said to my wife many times lately. You can't yell at me anymore. I'm a professional podcaster. So (laughs) that working out for you. It's working out horribly. If you think I like the Hulk, she is the actual real Hulk. (laughs) So let's say you have, I don't know, I'll estimate 25 million practice owners who listen to my podcast. That's an estimate. And they're listening to this and they're saying, you know, I've got a little bit of a toxic work culture we're not doing well. And I can sense like you can sense when your employees are stressed, you can just see it on their faces. You can sense in their body language. I feel like you two probably have a very good sense most days of how every person's feeling just based on their posture alone. So how do vet hospitals that maybe don't think about those things? I don't know. I guess the question is like, how do they start? What tips would you have? How do you implement it? to start really saying, hey, you need to have warning signs ready or you need to be able to visualize these signs when someone's not going, you know, they're not feeling right. So something that's huge for us when we were in the midst of everything where 
with COVID. With COVID, yes. Yeah, sorry. Check-ins were huge for me, for our, for our team, to know where they are. Because, I mean, we could look at people's faces and you'll see it, but there was no change until we actually physically had the conversation with them. Now we're not just pulling them in like, hey, what's wrong with you? It's <laughs> It built up to that. There was probably four conversations before that conversation comes up. So that takes time. But then you, you start to see the difference each time you, you're sitting down and talking with them, whether it's about questions they're too afraid to ask in the group or questions they think you're too busy to answer at the time. Making yourself available to them to say that even if it's 10 minutes, it's these 10 minutes are for you. You matter to me. I want to hear what is going on. Even if you're doing amazing, I want to hear it from you that you're doing amazing. And then there's little ways you can pick and prod if you kind of seen that things aren't going great. Are you sure? Like, all right, well, let's walk through your day. What's your day look like? How was this morning? How was yesterday? All of the things. I have a list of questions. I don't have it on me, but I have a list of questions that I ask in every setting. Like it's repetitive and it's like that for a reason. That way they have to bring something new to me when I ask that question every single time we sit down and have that. So they're thinking, truly thinking. It's gotten to the point now, again, they'll have their, they had their, in the beginning, they had their quick fire off answers because they knew something to fill in there. Now that we're like, you know, 12 interviews into this, every person that comes in the office sits and has to think about the question because I want them to process really because they know I want to know really how you feel. I want to know where you're at. I want to know how you feel. And then, you know, we see we need more things from that. Then we go into the other avenues of helping them outside the clinic. But this is a way for me to see where you're at, what you're doing, where you need help, where I can help you. And it's, again, it, it wasn't right away, but it's it builds itself into that. It's not an overnight thing. It's not a next day thing. You won't see results right away. But it helps us get to know each person in that working sense to be able to help them in the moment. Do you guys ever, whether it's one of you individually or both of you, do you guys ever sense like, hey, I just know this person, even though this person might say, yeah, I'm great. Everything's wonderful. I love it. I'm so happy. Do you ever sense like something's not right there? Because I've had that with a couple employees and I've ended up and it's a really tough situation where every two weeks we do one on ones with basically whoever you manage, you do a one-on-one with them every two weeks. We take a lot of notes, obviously like everyone's kind of funnel up to me so I can get a report on how everyone's doing. But yeah, I mean, I've had people where I don't directly manage them and I manage someone who manages someone who manages them here. And I'm like, Hey, we had that team meeting and -and so-and-so just didn't seem engaged. Can you check on it for me? Even recently we had a situation like that And then that person reached out to me over Slack directly and said, do you have a minute to talk? And we talked through some things that really didn't have to do with work, but that was cool. And and I think she appreciated the fact that I even just said, hey, I'm here. I felt like something was up and I just want to talk to you directly, even though she probably doesn't talk to me more than once a week. Yeah. And there was, I mean, we had those times in the dead of COVID where we had interviews and we saw like just burnout, right? And and they knew it. They may not express it. You didn't see it. We bring them in sit them down. I talked to them. We legitimately gave them time off with pay to recollect, you know, and that's not a couple of days here and there, but that's us showing, Hey, your personal well-being matters to us this much that we're going to pay for you not to be here because you need the time. And that is okay. It is okay to express that. It is okay to feel this way. A lot of us feel this way. And this is us giving back to you for what you've given to us in this time. We know this is crazy. 
And we did that without COVID. We were doing that prior to COVID. If they had time, there's times where we talked to each other, Dr. Sands and I talked to each other like, hey, you're going through this. Do you need time? She knows I would cancel appointments that day if she called me and was like, hey, I can't do it today. That's just a culture that we built in the clinic. So I think a lot of what you guys are talking about is next level. And I want to get back to Adam's original question of where can you start if you're a clinic? Cause I, I believe Adam, I'll paraphrase what you said, essentially, if you're a clinic that you feel like your toxic culture mm-hmm. is there, where can you start? And, and none of these things are all very important, but they're, they're steps in the treatment protocol. And it's so important to know that it starts with you. And you can't give to others and you can't help build a positive culture until you assess your own condition and do something to treat it. And I'm speaking to practice owners in particular here, a lot of toxic culture and stress, and toxic culture is a buzzword I don't even like, but a lot of stress comes because you are stressed. And when I'm thinking about things, I think it's really important we continue to talk about the 2020-itis. When I'm thinking about things that I've gotten from 2020, listen, I went from three doctors to just me. And so I can preach to the choir because I sing in it. I'm taking time for so many things for myself that I never did until 2020 happened. I force myself at lunchtime. I keep an inspirational book, whichever book I'm reading, on my desk. And I force myself to shut the laptop so I'm not looking at charts, returning emails, scrolling Facebook because that's a coping mechanism that doesn't do me any good. And I read three pages. I force myself, not force anymore. I love it now. But in the beginning, like push myself to make sure I did yoga three days a week. Now I'm like five days a week plus. You have to start with yourself. And when you start with yourself, you have the ability then to give to your team I wrote down something I thought was really important because Adam, you were talking about like, how do you get them to tell? Like you see that they don't, they're not great, but they aren't saying. And I just heard Phil Richmond give an amazing talk and he talked about, uh, there's a term called psychological safety. And I just lit up when I heard him talk about it. You have to develop psychological safety over time in your hospital. And that's when team members feel okay to say, hey doc, I I need you to check this dog that you just saw. I, I think maybe you missed her gum color. I think maybe you missed a lump. Hey doc, I'm not feeling so great about how we handled this with a client. And then you build the harder conversations. Psychological safety can come with little steps. First, when Alex is talking about his check-ins that he does coming into the office, that, that doesn't work until you, every time he sees a person, he smiles and says, Hey, how are you doing today? Or he shares a little piece like when we say don't be friends, that doesn't mean you don't ever talk. You share p- bits and pieces of yourself yep. and then they share back. And then you build that safety where then people can start to be comfortable in their skin to say, things are going really badly for me right now. And you've got to be quiet and listen when you ask the question. You can't ask them in the hallway, run into the next appointment. You got to sit down. The time you invest in your employees will pay you back in profit, in revenue, in peace tenfold. Yeah. It's such a common theme on this podcast of mine here. It's like, that's what everyone talks about. And yet I'm not kidding you all. This is a legitimate stat from whisker cloud support. We average about a hundred to 150 support tickets a day. 
probably five to 10% of them are remove this person from my site. And, and it's really interesting. I mean, and I've said this before on the podcast, one of the interesting things I noticed when that happens and, you know, and our team shares those tickets with me is it's never like a, Hey, you know, we're sad. Emily's no longer here. Can you please remove her from the site when you can? Thanks. It is literally always like, Kevin's no longer here. We want him off the site ASAP. Remove any Facebook posts that ever mentioned him by name. And I've always wondered why is it like that almost every time? It's it's there's never just like a hey, thanks for everything you did while you were here or even hey, we just hired you. It wasn't a good fit, but we like you as a person. We wish you best of luck. Why is it always why is there always such animosity when someone leaves the hospital? Is it just because it's such a tight knit group that works through so many stressful situations? It's pride. It is yeah. pride. We are fixers. We are doers. And when we don't succeed at anything, we lash out. And so if you can't succeed at keeping that employee, your pride has been hindered, self-included. Pride is the root of many evils. I think we live in a culture that chooses to see the negative instead of looking for the positive. Like this person leaving may be a good step for them. Uh-huh. Uh, that brought me back to you asking like six, five or six years, what have we done for veterinary suicide? Veterinary profession is crappy at change. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe COVID will teach us otherwise, but how many things do we do because we've always done it that way? We're not going to change anything overnight. And it's just something we have to all work together for. And we have to speak out every time you see something like that. And I don't, I'm, I'm kind of ballsy when it comes to responding to things. If somebody sent me an email back like that, I would probably be emailing them back. And I would say something like, really, what, what happened so terribly that you need to talk like this? But that's how I... I talk a lot. And some of my talks are called flip the focus to positive. There are so many posts out there that are just not necessary. The way people say things on their accounts, like stop, just stop and think about the other person's situation. You don't know everything that's happening. Don't assume the worst, assume good intent every time. And some people don't have good intent, but if you don't look for it, you're never going to see it. When you talked about like vet medicine is scared of change and slow to change. I have my own personal thoughts. And honestly, these aren't, I think when I talk about this and I write about this, and these are things I've talked about in the past at speaking gigs and things like that. I think 2020 just sped up everything 10 to 15 years. I'll tell you something. If I worked as like a bank teller, or if I worked in like a drive-through at a food establishment, or if I was ringing people up at grocery stores or, you know, a lot of retail jobs, I would be terrified because I think there was already the clock running down. And I think COVID just, I mean, think about me. I'm obsessed with movies. My wife and I pre-COVID had the unlimited Regal Pass. So we would go see movies five times a month. How many movie theaters across the country are probably never coming back ever? Yeah, that hurts me. Oh, I mean, it hurts me too. I mean, no secret to everyone listening. I like nothing more than Thursday night at midnight to go see the new Spider-Man or, you know, I should have, I should have seen Black Widow, Eternal, Shang-Chi. I mean, I should have seen those movies. I should have seen Tenet in theaters this year. And now I will probably, there is a very good chance. I may never watch a movie in theaters again. That sounds very dramatic, but Here's what's going to happen. There's going to be vaccines. It's going to take a while. Movie theaters aren't going to open up, especially here in California. And all of a sudden, someone's going to release like Wonder Woman is going to get released on HBO Max on Christmas. The whole world's going to watch it. 
a hundred million people are going to sign up for HBO Max and they're going to say, why were we splitting half the tickets with the movie theaters? We're never going to do that again. Bye. So vet medicine too. I mean, there's going to be change in a lot of things. I mean, I feel blessed. I know you guys, I hope you guys do too. I mean, I've looked at my wife 50 times during COVID and I said, you know, obviously what's happened to our country and and the amount of people that have died is just undescribable and the most horrific thing that will probably stick with me for the rest of my life. But I mean, I remember, and I've told this story on the podcast before the night of March 13th, it was Friday and we're sitting there on the couch and we were told at our new office to get the hell out of there. And we're at home and I had a talk with our team. I'm like, if this shuts down vet hospitals, here I was having this amazingly successful business, pouring every penny we ever had into it. And honestly, I don't want to say believing that we're indestructible, but I assume like even you guys are incredibly successful. You sit there and you think like, this is great. We're great at what we do. Our branding is on point. We're good. And then this happens and we're watching the news and they were like, okay, California, here's the five things you can do. And I swear number three on the list was like, go to the vet. And I looked at my wife and I was like, Man, that is just crazy. They're, they could have put 50,000 different things up there and they put go to the vet. And then you start seeing the the amount of dogs and cats getting adopted, which again is another good thing. And you're like, okay, wait, this is a very horrific and odd blessing in disguise. And, and vet meds really thrived, which is just unbelievable. So it doesn't mean that weird and negative change can't come from this as well. So I think a lot's going to happen here, but... COVID has made you guys and the people that run these hospitals so much stronger. And now like adversity that comes beyond this, that's not a virus. It's just like, oh, a client's really pissed up front demanding to talk to Dr. Sands. Like that might feel easier after this, right? Definitely. It's a very interesting perspective to take for sure. I love the growth now, the process and everything leading up to that growth. Like any important growth in your life has been hard. It has been hard, capital H with a bunch of H's following it, hard. And I mean, I can't agree more. I mean, it it puts things into perspective and the growth that we've gotten from it. Well, eventually we'll see the boom from it. But it's once we get through the the mental health trouble. I mean, the all of the, everyone getting dogs and cats is great until you have a schedule that's full with people you can't find to hire to see the new dogs and cats that everyone got because everyone's burnt out. Mm-hmm. That struggle is, that's the hardest thing for us is then, you know, then how do we still satisfy that client that got two puppies, but we have no appointments for six weeks, but that puppy needs vaccinated in two weeks and then a booster every three weeks after that, but we're full and we have no one that we can just throw in there and do the things with. It's it, that's the main struggle that I see for sure. And I, Huzzah to you, Adam, for seeing a blessing in a hard spot. And I think that's so important every single time. Yes. I want to say, though, because I, I'm sure you have listeners who are not in the financial aspects of the practice. Veterinary medicine thrived in the dollars coming in the door. But veterinary medicine is having a real life-changing moment. And I just attended a practice owner summit the past weekend. And these are people who usually when I see are lit up and thrilled and inspired. And I saw a sea of despair. And I think people listening need to understand that the dollars coming in the door went up, but the profit did not Mm -hmm. because our expenses have gone up significantly. The loss of team members has gone up significantly. 
those of us who were doing fantastically are now fighting tooth and nail to stay in the black by ourselves. And people who don't have the tools, like all of the awesome guests that you interview, are sinking alone. The fallout's going to come, and we need things like Whisker Talks and Debbie Boone and all of us that do it. This is the time for us to find all the new ways to reach out. Mm -hmm. I love what COVID has brought to veterinary medicine. We're finally getting technology like Mm -hmm. it should be. We love the things you guys provide for us so we can do electronic history forms and we can do telemed from other platforms and all of these different things. But it, now more than ever, we got to buckle down and look at each other and employees have to look at their practice owners and go, how are you practice owner? Yep. What can I do to support you? Yeah, I'm working my tail off, but I forgot that you take this home at night. It is a tough time. And I know our time speaking mm-hmm. of it is coming to end, but I think Alec and I should share at this point that our season four is focused on the ask for help and it is focused literally on the use of counseling and every single guest that we've talked to, whether we knew it or not is using counseling and we've both enrolled in that this year. And it's just, you got to do it. Like there, it goes back to pride. We all think we know this, we know all the mental health. We know we'll be fine. If we just work harder, just get it, get some sleep tonight, have a glass of wine. When you go home, have a beer. We need help to get through. For sure. Oh, I've been listening to the new season and I'll tell you some episodes are, I don't want to say hard to listen to, but they really like hit your heart. And I mean, that's a good thing. I think you need to hear those things. You, you Everything can't be candy and rainbows all the time, but I mean, that's why I love what you guys do so much. It's because you have these people on that are on the grind and, and it's really hard. I have this horrible personality trait where at work, I never, ever, literally never want my employees to see me less than 100% motivated. But I'll tell you, as we're running Whisker Cloud and as you grow and the dedication I have to it, it is tough. I mean, it is. And you guys know this, too, with what everything you guys are doing. It is. I have this rule for myself, even on my worst day. And and I think being able to be remote and only having Zoom and Slack is nice because when I'm having a really just frustrating day... I'll just kind of book myself out. And if anyone needs to talk, I'll say, hey, I've got a lot going on. Just shoot me an email or give me a couple minutes and we'll just talk over the phone because I don't want them to see me sort of like what you were saying at that summit you were at. I don't want them to sense that from me. And I feel like I can sort of make sure on the phone that they can still hear me as confident and and going strong because I never want them to lose that confidence. And I think that's been important for our growth. But yeah, I'm with you. It's tough. And I think you and I, differ a little bit in that it's a fine line. So as a leader, Mm -hmm. you have to embolden your employees with trust in you. You know, you can't come to work sobbing and head down. But as Brene Brown says, there's so much power and vulnerability. And if we go back to wanting our team members to talk with us about how they're doing and where they are, man, I believe in the power of a town hall. Like when things, Mm -hmm. things are, uh, man, we just all sit down and we say, we're just going to talk. We, we actually do a, a, an activity where everybody has a big piece of paper and they're to write down one feeling they've had in the past week and hold it up. And then we just talk. And there is absolute power in that. You say, you know, it's a safe space where you have, you set up rules about, you know, we don't point fingers. These are the kind of words that we use. But my team rallied this summer when I shared with them how I was dealing with burnout and the the feelings that I had. And I literally saw their faces change and literally saw their actions change. 
you don't come every day and you don't say, oh, this is so horrible. I don't know how to get through it. But saying, I'm having a really hard time right now. I was, I'll say this frequently. I'll say, hey, I'm frustrated. I'm not frustrated with you, but I am frustrated with the situation. I need your help figuring out how to get around this. And then they go, hey, that person that I work with views me as an equal and she's got problems too. There's nothing wrong with me. We can work on this together. Awesome. I love that. Well, tell me about what you guys are doing outside of work. So you go home at night, you get away from work for a little bit. What do you go do? Any shows, any movies? Are you cooking a lot? Yoga? So for me, what's kind of nice thing about COVID is, well, not that it's winter now. I wish it was the nice warm thing all the about time. COVID. That you don't hear well, that that's very often. Nice thing about that is not doing great. So the great thing about <laughs> my habits during COVID is that disc golf is open. So I can be outside. I can be by myself. I can go play disc golf with very little people around. So that's a huge thing for me. He's looking for a sponsor. Yeah. And <laughs> sorry, <laughs> just lost his train of thought. <laughs> just thought I'd throw it out there. So. But yeah, that's something that I can do. I mean, cooking has been huge for me. I went vegan. It's been about a year now. And so finding the things that I can cook and all of the fresh things and find discovering what you can make and making things from scratch has been a huge thing for me for that, for my well-being. And I'm trying to think. Honestly, and I mean, we talked about it earlier, but not seeing new movies has hurt me. Like, I, that's all I want. So I've been watching all of the Marvel movies, basically, like every other week is what I get into and start a new series. And then luckily we have the Mandalorian. So that's been great. <laughs> but this golf has been a huge thing for me. I've really embraced that. And that's how I know where my well-being is, is how much disc golf I played in the last last <laughs> week. I really track it by that. Put a little disc on not, the calendar. Yeah, because if I'm not having the energy to go out, then I can kind of see where I'm at for sure. So I have kids and we have sheep and chickens and I am blessed to have a 13 year old who has given to me by taking care of them now every day, which is awesome. So the things that I do outside of work is definitely yoga. As you heard, we like to hike. We've embraced hiking this year. It's too cold now. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's nice to And I am a Netflix person. And so right now my show on Netflix is Blacklist because I, like you, like to kind of watch <laughs> morbid murder. <laughs> <laughs> and you can relate to him, right? Yeah, I try to feel okay about it. There's just no, you can't be proud of it, but that's what it is. Um, the other day somebody got blown up and my husband was like, that's not what people would look like when they're blown up. And this is just where we are. Like, you know, <laughs> not like, Oh, no one should watch. Just like, Oh, that's not realistic. <laughs> There'd be more body parts. Yeah. Here. Come on now. But I think it's the, I need shows that really bring in my brain because I have an incredibly overactive circuit board. I've got to fill it with everything that's in the show. I can't watch like my husband will watch. Uh, sorry to all the listeners, but Shits Creek. And I know so many people mm -hmm. love it, mm -hmm. but I'm just like, you got none of my attention for that show because there's not nearly <laughs> enough for me to follow. We watch a lot of movies. Like, well, it's funny because I never used to watch it. I Like my wife will watch like 90 Day Fiance and Married at First Sight. And there's like Love After Lockup. And in the past, I've just refused. I say, I, I can't watch this garbage. But now... It's like, it's so stupid that I watch with her and I'm actually kind of entertained. But do either of you watch a show Below Deck Mediterranean or any of the Below Decks? Oh, I haven't seen it. No, but I watch The Bachelorette. <laughs> Busted. 
I will say this, but out of fairness, I won't give it away. A current person who is still on the show recently applied for a job at Whisker Club. One of the current contestants, I don't know the laws and rules, so I'm not going to say his name, but when it came through, the four or five people that have access literally lost their mind. (laughs) Watching the show, because we do watch it at my house, I was like, oh, there's no way. Like, A, just from watching you on the show, whether it's a show or not, but B, I don't think it, it would be horrific uh, on Zoom every day. So, or like our clients, could you imagine if you were like, hey, can I book a chat? And like this man got on the, you'd be like, wait, what the hell is happening here? I know this person. I love it. So while we're celebrity dropping, we have uh, for a season, now we had Rosie from the Great British Bake Off, which yeah. my heart, because we agree with a lot of things. But this season we have Dr. Ross Henderson from Nat Geo coming on. So that's coming soon. And it's so awesome. He is so cool. You should follow him. He's just got the best heart. He's like, he has a golden retriever on the show and I, he's a golden retriever in human form. So it's a really good episode. You know what's funny that you just said that? I have two Boston Terriers and I am a thousand percent a Boston Terrier in human form. I, I have seven cats, so yeah. I don't know what that's that yeah, is. It means you cause a lot of trouble. Nah, that's true. All right, this that fits. Do you poop outside the box? Yes. Yeah, we all yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have one cat and she's also the reason we don't have a Christmas tree. <laughs> Honestly, I have a fake one with seven. I think it can be done. They're not messed up yet, but let's, you know. I learned from Tabitha Casera from Chirps and Chowders. Brilliant. I've had cats, way too many cats my whole life, but put the scratching post under the tree mm-hmm. and a basket. It's game changing. Hmm. So. Good to know. I mean, we'll try it. We had a $300 pre-lit tree from Target just get destroyed by a six-pound orange tabby, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that would keep me from ever having a tree again. I mean, sure. you got to have a budget when you own a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I want to end with this. I want everyone to know about your podcast, where to listen, where to find it, what the mission is. Can you guys just give it like the 60, 90 second, just like here's everything they need to know to find the podcast. Cause if they like this podcast, they're going to freaking love yours. Thank you. Thank you. Well, go to our amazing website made by the one and only whisker cloud, vetmedafterhours.com, uh, and spend some time there. Cause we have a little bit of something for everybody, including an online store, which you can't see, but we're wearing you matter masks. The website is where you can get the information about our hashtag that you matter campaign. You can also of course, follow the hashtag that you matter. Our Instagram account is super a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. And you get to see a lot of inspiration there. Spotify, iTunes, all the places. Yeah. Right? Or anywhere you can download a podcast. We're there. I think the important thing for listeners to know about our podcast is give a few episodes a try and you'll find something you like. So Again, we have conversation style with guests. We have what we call lunch chats. And if you're listening to the podcast, give a few listens to oh, the yeah. first Start season. season three. Start at season two or three. Because then we got the. Uh, I'm sorry. Season. I'm going to stop right, this right 16. here. 16. Season two. And your life will change. I'm so serious. All right. Start at episode 16. That's what I meant. <laughs> I meant for sound sound quality. If you like really be- a lot better sound quality, it gets better. Yeah, it does. You got to turn it up real hard in the first couple of episodes. Yeah. I, I know I've seen a lot of the reviews and a lot of people talking about you. And I mean, I read one the other day. It was like episode 16 changed my life. The genius that came out of that brought tears to my eyes. 
website designer, they would have put that review on there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy that it's featured on your homepage and at the top of the website on every page. It just slides by like the bar just transfers through on everything you do. Well, I can't thank you guys enough for being on. This was so much fun. I knew it would be. Obviously, everyone, listen, I always tell everyone at the end of these things, like, share, subscribe, all of that crap about Whisker Talks. If you're there for Whisker Talks, do it for Met After Hours, please. Pretty please. And everyone, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Have a great weekend, Adam. Thank you, Adam. Thanks, guys.